This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple and Heilprin. We're live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. The Wisconsin basketball team just get in and away here against Jackson State. The Kohl Center game got moved up to 6 o'clock, so obviously uh, not ideal for us, for our purposes, Jesse, but uh, they don't really care about us. They moved it up so that everyone could get home and get a chance to see the Wisconsin volleyball team take on Texas and try and punch their ticket to the final, uh, should I say, the national championship game later tonight down in Tampa. So... I may mention the basketball game once or twice as we're watching it here for the, the first hour, but we're we talking football because there's plenty to talk about football-wise for Wisconsin as they are deep into the transfer portal and a lot of uh, a lot of movement since the last time we did a show, even, temp, even uh, the camp on Tuesday. We've had some movement both in guys leaving for the portal, leaving for the NFL, leaving to get ready for the NFL, um, and obviously additions from the portal. And, and the first one that comes to mind, Jesse, is Jackson McGoing, the uh, tight end from Ohio. You have a little bit more on his story. He's He went to LSU for one year, but he didn't necessarily want to go to LSU originally. He wanted to go to Cincinnati. Yeah, what's interesting about him is he was committed to Cincinnati for almost an entire year. He committed back in January of 2022 and then ended up decommitting the first week in December after Luke Fickle left to come to Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin's assistant coaching situation was in flux at the time. We know their tight end coaching situation ended up changing even a couple months later. So he ended up going to LSU, didn't play in his one year, and now he's entered the portal and officially announced publicly that he's joining Wisconsin out of the transfer portal. This I got asked a mailbag question this week about the positions of highest need for Wisconsin. It was a question about which position, but there's no single position, and I listed like four, and tight end was in there. They absolutely needed more dynamic offensive potential at the position, and while we haven't seen McGowan play at the college level, he was a top 25 tight end in his recruiting class, and he's coming here with four years of eligibility, so I think this is a nice pickup for the Badgers. The lack of proven ability, I think, is is probably something to be like, eh, I don't know about that. Would you rather have them gotten, or attempted to gotten a proven, proven player, or are you sitting there and saying, well, Riley Nokowski's played a bunch of ball, and Tucker Ashcraft has played a bunch of ball, and we don't know what Hayden Rich is going to do, but he's yep. played a ton. Are you okay with those three? And then obviously Grant Steck and J.T. Seagreaves are, are two other guys that certainly are young but maybe can help. But there's no one proven there to take their passing game to a different level, which is what I think a lot of people were hoping for in the tight end position. That's exactly right. I'm very high on Grant Steck, but you're asking an awful lot of a true freshman to come in. We saw Tucker Ashcraft get some reps early and, and played throughout the year, but there was not consistent effectiveness from that tight end position as a whole. With McGowan, to me, I think this comes more down to you have a staff that is already familiar with him. They've done the work ahead of time because they spent all that time recruiting him. He was They were able to get a commitment from him, and he was sticking with the Bearcats for almost a year. So I think when they were evaluating players at that position in the portal this time around, they had a relationship already developed, and to me, that had to go a long way where they felt like, okay, he may not have done it at the college level, but we believe in him because we saw something in him a couple years ago. Yeah, for sure. So he brings the number of additions to five, and 
We did this last year, myself and Ben Kenny, and I think I don't think we did it on the camp, but we, we ranked, and this was late in the process. I yeah. think they had 13 transfers at the time. We did a top 10, and Whoop Balling did not make it. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this with uh, <laughs> just this idea. All five of these guys are going to make this list because we only have five to choose from. Rank in terms of impact year one the five transfers that they have so far. And I'll, I'll list the five transfers as, as you can put these into your head here a little bit. Leon Lowry, the linebacker from Syracuse. You've got John Pius, the linebacker from William & Mary. got uh, Jackson McGowan, we already talked about. Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback from Miami. And then uh, Kaysen Five for the long snapper from Cincinnati. I'll let, you, I'll let you go first. Well, it's a good thing we're having this conversation now and identifying these five because the next time we do a show... That number is going to grow. They're yeah. obviously far from done, but for sure, the obvious. That's why one, we get. To, we're going to get to do it multiple times. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, the uh, the obvious number one to me has to be Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, you you brought a guy in with multiple years of starting experience at Miami, who's going to be here for one year and going to have the ball in his hands on every offensive play. And one of the key reasons why this team will either be successful or not successful next year. So to me, that's obvious. Number two. Maybe this is a bit of an upset. I'm going to go with John Pius. Uh, also wrote a story on John that's uh, on The Athletic on Friday. Had a chance to talk to his position coach at William & Mary. I think there's something to be said for getting guys who had unbelievable careers, even if it's at a lower level. And, and granted, there hasn't been a large sample size of that. But even Nazir Forkirin, who was uh, Division II All-American, came in this year ended up, by the end of the year, taking Alexander Smith's starting spot at cornerback. Now, maybe didn't put up major numbers, but they've got somebody who proved himself over four seasons, especially the last two at William & Mary. Like His numbers are just off the charts, and I do think it's notable that the couple times he had an opportunity to play FBS competition, he was fantastic. He was the best guy on the field. They played Charlotte in the 2022 season opener at four and a half tackles for loss and one and a half sacks, and they played Virginia this past season. He has two and a half sacks, uh, two, two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. He has a, a forced fumble that he picks up and returns 57 yards. Like, I think he's got a chance with his speed off the edge to be the kind of player that they desperately need there. But I would say Leon Lowry and him, to me, I mean, they're 2-3. You could say they're 2-A, 2-B. Yeah. Like, Lowry proved himself at Syracuse, and we know they need help at an outside linebacker. Um, so both those guys, to me, are going to have an opportunity to play a lot because who do they have coming back? they got Daryl Peterson and Jeff Petrowski are the only guys, as of now, that have played more than 35 snaps this season. Hayden Johnson played 35 snaps. So you need some veteran guys. It's crazy that he's only, he only played 35. Yeah, Caden Johnson, yeah. agreed. Um, obviously, C.J. Getz took up a whole yeah. load of those and, yeah. and now will be moving on. After that, uh, you know, Jackson McGowan is interesting. I don't know what his role is going to be. You look at the body type and 6'4 guy, you think he's got that skill set, but... It, speculating at this point without even seeing a spring practice is tough. And Cason Pfeiffer is a long snapper. On the other hand, he's one of the best long snappers in the country. How many opportunities is a long snapper going to get? Uh, not as many as these I, other guys potentially, but he's going to get his fair share too. So I bet you, I bet you, Cason Pfeiffer has more snaps than Jackson McGowan has catches. You probably right. I mean, <laughs> honestly, um, it'd be it'd be it'd be a huge upset if it didn't. If, I mean, this, he's probably going to get a hundred plus snaps. Well, what, right? what did we say this year that they weren't going to punt anyway? Yes, and I think we were slightly slightly off wrong on that one. Uh, just a little bit, just yes. a little bit. The only so I I completely agree with you in terms of all those numbers, except or uh, in terms of the order, except for 
I guess I'll put Leon Lowry. If you're putting that much effort into Leon, Leon Lowry, which is really what <laughs> yes. they did, and the, and the amount of effort that you put in to getting the story on Leon Lowry, kind of surprised you didn't just have that too. <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm coming off the high of writing the John Pius story, which yeah, is yeah, publishing. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, that, that, to me, the reason, you know, the reason they put that much effort into him is because they think he can have a big impact. Yeah. Um, and so they did get him. And I, so I'll put him at two. I'll put Pius at, at three. Uh, I'm going to put Case and Pfeiffer at four. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not positive. I'm not positive Jackson McGowan's going to come in and contribute right away. I think that is a completely fair assessment. So, so sorry he, for he, shortchanging the long snapper. He kind of feels like Quincy Burroughs to me. Mm-hmm. A guy who redshirted at Cincinnati, show, has like the physical ability, but maybe isn't ready to contribute right away his first year, but maybe by the end of next year, he is ready to contribute exactly what we kind of saw with Quincy Burroughs coming from Cincinnati. So Casey Pfeiffer is going to be a starter as soon as he shows up. So I kind of feel like he'll have a bigger impact than uh, Jackson McGowan, which again, it's not that big of a (laughs) difference between the two. And I think by the end of this, I highly doubt Jason Pfeiffer will be number four on my list in terms of impact transfers. Yes. I'm glad I haven't put this in writing yet because, uh, when it all shakes out, I'll probably change my order. Yeah, of course you will. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the master of the hedge, the master of the change, the master <laughs> of the flip. It is Jesse Temple. Um, they do have some other guys, right, that they are looking at. We kind of talked about it last week. Uh, Tyrell Henry, the wide receiver at Michigan State, visited. He posted a tweet today that said, showtime. Yeah. Um, wonder what that means. Well, it feels like he's getting ready to make a decision. And it's also that Michigan State may be trying to pull him back in. Uh, they added a big transfer in Aiden Childs, the, the quarterback from Oregon State. who was a four-star recruit. He followed Jonathan Smith to um, East Lansing. It's a It was a huge win for him. So I think that is certainly one that uh, stands out in terms of uh, ads in the Big Ten. And we'll see where other teams go with their quarterback situation. Ohio State certainly still needs to, to add a quarterback. Maybe Michigan needs to add one if J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy leaves. But getting Aiden Giles at uh, Michigan State, significant, significant move there in the Big Ten. And uh, I think a really good look in Nebraska, obviously, with Donovan, uh, the, the Riola kid, the quarterback, scared off Kyle McCord. He's no longer looking at uh, Nebraska. So it feels like that may be... A situation where he ends up being their quarterback next year, which is obviously a really good thing for Nebraska. But um, in terms of Wisconsin, they've got some other needs. Yes. Specifically, you would say that linebacker. Inside linebacker. Inside linebacker. Defensive line. Defensive wide line. Receiver. Wide receiver. Okay. Absolutely the top three right now. So they are reportedly, according to 24-7, bringing in an FCS linebacker for a visit, uh, Josiah Galvin. Uh plays for uh, Northern Iowa, correct? Yes. So that, I mean, do you think that has anything to do with Jordan Turner leaving? Or I, just an, they need more bodies there? Yeah. I, I I mean, again, I don't know what the conversations were, but it would strike me as unlikely that the staff was like, we're looking at a guy from UNI, move on out. Um, again, don't know those conversations, but now that you've got Turner leaving and Mumajong Meta and Tate Grass obviously were seniors honored on senior day. You're down to six scholarship inside linebackers, so you need it. I don't know the reasoning for Jordan leaving. Um, started for the last two years. That one was probably the most surprising so far of, of, the, of the guys who have left, um, but there's no doubt those are the three positions right now they have to absolutely handle. Yeah. A, a lot of jokes being made about 
how quickly he got to the portal um, in regards to, you know, how quickly does, did he get to the portal quicker than he got from Janesville to Madison? Um, <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Uh, a lot of jokes be made. I'm not making those jokes, Jesse. I'm repeating the jokes. I'm pointing them out. I'm gotcha. not making them. Uh, Big Steve just hit a three. And uh, we, I think we talked about that on the swing. Why is he not looking at the basket more? He's now, I believe, I believe, 9 for 12 from 3 this Good year. percentage. Yeah. I can't shoot that from the free throw line. Yeah. So, um, defensive line. Yes. Where, where else? Uh, some, some names, potentially, that they could uh, be looking at to add. Well, they've got a couple kids who have tweeted out offers in the last couple days. Um, Anquin Barnes, who I believe is an Alabama transfer. Uh, Travis Bates, who I think is an Austin P transfer. Joey Slackman was a pen transfer who I believe visited, but he's got 30 offers. Every, yeah. Name a school, and he's out there. If Wisconsin can somehow get him, it would be massive. And of course, the other thing is, they're still trying to land Ernest Willer Jr., who's the defensive lineman from Maryland, and it really appears at this point like it's down to Wisconsin and Maryland. And that would certainly mitigate some of the need for D-linemen, but they need a couple guys. We saw this year, it certainly wasn't good enough. James Thompson Jr. was the only one who made an impact on a semi-consistent basis. So they need more on the defensive line and, and wide receiver, as we've said. They're, as of now, they're down to nine scholarship receivers because three guys from this past season are in the portal. And you're only adding right now Kyanberry uh, Correct. That's exactly right. Johnson. Who, who I would envision to be a slot receiver. He's yep. like 5'10 guy. They have loaded up on slot receivers. They have. What they need are the big body dudes on the outside to go get the ball. If Tyler Van Dyke is going to air it out, and that's why you brought him here, you need somebody to be the playmaker on the other end of it. Otherwise, whatever Van point? Dyke does isn't going to have a lot of success. They have to attack down the field more yes. than they did this year. And some people have said, like, you know, you look at Tanner Mordecai, uh, he was never a great deep passer. Go and look at his yards per attempt and how how much it dropped. He was in eight yards, eight yards, which was, I don't know, like 30th, 35th in the country. He dropped all the way to 6.2, which was among the wor- among the guys that actually qualified for enough attempts was the lowest, tied for the lowest in the country. That's not good, that's not good enough. You can love slot receivers and throw the ball short, but you need to hit some balls over the top, and they just did not do that enough. And part of it was... Tanner Mordecai, but part of it was they didn't have guys that were constantly separating, and when they were separating, not catching the ball. So, you need both of those, and I don't think that they've done enough at wide receiver right now at this point to sit there and say and be confident that that's going to be different next year. Not at all. they got to find a difference maker, and this is the challenge of Portal Season 2, because if you're looking for a difference maker, so is everybody else, and you've got to convince somebody why this is the place to come. I just I go back to what Phil Longo said when we talked to him in the season, and he was talked about the slot receivers, but he talked about what what this offense looks like with an explosive big play guy on the outside. And eventually, what do you say we're going to have that? Yeah. Do they have that right now, Jesse? Not based on what we've seen. I know. They, I know they moved. I know they moved. Um, you know. Uh, Vinny Anthony. Vinny Anthony outside. outside. Yeah. Trying to get them a little bit more speed on the outside. And I think Quincy Burroughs has the capability, maybe, of being a, a big play guy. And he's a big body. But those are not proven commodities, and they need a proven commodity. And I, here's the other problem. The guys that they're bringing in are not proven commodities either. Like, Henry from, from Michigan State's not a proven commodity. He's, right. he's played, but he's not a proven big play commodity. There are not a lot of those guys available in the portal. And um, so I, maybe I'm walking around my and talking myself in circles here. 
I don't know if they can fill that spot from the portal. I th- maybe it has to come from within. Right. Improvement from within. Because this past season, what you were hoping for was C.J. Williams, Bryson Green, go be that guy. And that's not what ended up happening. I mean, Green obviously got more opportunities and, and had some good moments. But if this is what it looks like or it's something similar, you need those guys from within to take a big leap. And we're all waiting. Yeah, we are. All right, we're going to come back on the other side, play a little overreaction or no as we get continue on here with uh, Wisconsin basketball, getting ready for the Wisconsin volleyball coming up a little bit later on tonight. This is Temple in Heilprint, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome back into Temple and Heilprin, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Continuing on here, talk a little bit more uh, football, get into a little overreaction or no. Uh, before we do, Jason Matry made an announcement earlier this afternoon. We missed it. Uh, big announcement, obviously. Everyone very was wondering what was going to happen with Jason Matry. Was he going to play in the bowl game? Was he not going to play in the bowl game? I'll say this. I, underrated, I think, in terms of like, how well he played this year. I, I, I think he was there every day. He was, and they didn't really have anybody other than him to play the slot. So it was really important for him to, to play the way he did. He didn't do great things. He didn't do bad things. He was, uh, I think he was, eh. I think he was, I think he was good. I, I shouldn't say, eh. I think he was good. Would you agree? Yeah. He was and solid. Especially considering the need they had there. They he, had no, they have nobody behind him. Exactly. Well, Nobody on scholarship. It was <laughs> um, nobody currently on scholarship. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he filled a role that they needed. He came in right away, established himself as a starter in spring ball. But yeah, he did announce on his Instagram that he's going to be foregoing the bowl game and declaring now for the NFL draft, which gives him a three week head start or so to start training. All these guys do that, but this was not one I had on my bingo card. Yeah. No, I I, I didn't either. We know some other some of the other guys. Uh, are, are practicing, Mumajang Mehta, a guy who's a captain, and I don't think he wanted to walk away after <laughs> last year's captains. All three of them were not uh, there for the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and I think he also maybe knows what his future is. It's probably maybe not in the NFL, even though he wants to try. It's, it's probably knows this, that's not what is going to be his next endeavor. He's a very smart kid. But, uh, yeah, so we've, we've seen the end of Jason Matry. Oh, a very nice ad for Wisconsin out of the portal. If they got if they get something like that out of the portal, uh, if every guy was like that out of the portal, you get a consistent guy who's yeah. able to start all 12 games and, and be a solid player for you, I think you would take it. You want impact players, certainly, but he was a, a very nice ad for them coming out of the portal last year. All right, a little overreaction or no? Jordan Turner is the biggest loss for Wisconsin so far. Is that an overreaction or no? No, not an overreaction. I, I think I'm going to go with that. If you look at the 10 as of now that are outgoing transfers, and some of those are walk-ons. Amon Williams wasn't even on the team this year. Yeah, I'm not even counting that. Uh, not other, even, guys, yeah. other guys were just not going to have a role. It's really down to a couple other guys. I mean, Chimere DK to me, is the only other one that I would say is in the running, but... I didn't even think he was going to come back next year. Like, I, I just thought this is it for him. He was honored on senior day. Obviously, wants to go somewhere else, be utilized more in the offense. Visiting Florida. Yeah. 
Reunite with Graham Mertz. Reunited and it feels so good. Yeah. Um, so Jim, I'm going to go with Jim's Jordan. my guy. I'm going to go with Jordan because of uh, the the role that he played these past two years as a starter and, and the need they have now at that position. Who would jump out at you as like a bigger surprise at this point? Is there anybody that like could transfer? That would be like, oh, wow. Well, definitely, but I have no idea who it would be, so it would be pure speculation. Yeah. But yes. That's what I'm asking for. I, I don't know. Like, Riley Mallman jump like hey I'm I'm transferring I'm I'm done uh, or uh, Hunter Walters not going pro he's he's transferring uh, well yeah that would know, be, like, that would be massive I, like Ricardo Hallman like saying all right now I'm done I'm 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 headed out uh, like that's what I'm saying like yeah th- like that one that one's surprising mm-hmm. I but I don't know how bad it's going to hurt them and I think that's a different conversation and a right? worthwhile one to have right yes. like. I don't know that he was a great fit for what Wisconsin was trying to do. They wanted a little bit more speed. They wanted a little bit more, um, not striking power, because he certainly has that. And once he got going, he was fine. And I don't even know if that he was necessarily slow, but it he was kind of a plug in, like a, a plug linebacker, which is definitely what they had in their previous system. That you know you were you were kind of just filling holes, and now he's being asked to do a little bit more. Um, as a linebacker with this group than you previously were under uh, under the other um, staff. I think it's a matter of who they're able to get, assuming they can get someone, and, and who of the returning guys will be able to step up and fill those roles. As it stands right now, it's a big loss, largely because you're asking what is left right here. And the answer is uh, Jake Cheney and... Look, Christian Allegro didn't play a ton, but now he's listed as an inside linebacker, and you like the potential with him. I think they have a nice group there, but otherwise completely unproven. I mean, Brian Sanborn's been here for a few years. I really liked Tyler Janzi as a high school player. Um, got some guys who made a lot of tackles in high school, but we haven't seen that at a college level. So so that's the thing that I think would be most concerning. But you're right. How many times in various games did we look at those inside linebackers and say, well, somebody got onto the edge, and... Those, they were toast. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, some of the other guys they have coming in, uh, Thomas Heiberger, right? Yes, uh, that outside linebacker. But he, so he and Anella the Fellier. Here's, here's the thing, though. Outside, here's the thing. I think that they're eventually going to start meshing yeah, these maybe. two things. I don't think that there's going to be a an inside and an outside linebacker in this defense. Like eventually, right now they have the bodies that look like outside linebackers. But I think I think as they well. I say that, and then I look at what they did with the with some of the the three three five that they ran this year, which was essentially, um, you know, the dollar package. And I don't know that it, they felt great about how it worked in the Big Ten. So maybe maybe that is, maybe it's not something that that can work on a consistent basis. I don't know, but I feel like you're not going to see you're, you, those are going to be a lot. I think there's going to be some interchangeable parts between the guys that are playing outside linebacker, and I'm putting those in air quotes, and the guys that are playing inside linebacker. I think there's going to be some inter- interchangeable guys, and and uh, Christian Allegro is a very good example of a yeah. guy who is listed as inside linebacker, but you know has shown the ability to come off the edge as well. So. I, to me, I think you're looking for guys who can do both. Yeah, it, to me, it, it also depends on the body type and the skill set because there are certain guys that they have recruited or people that come into the system, and it's much easier to say well, they're an inside linebacker. I mean, so as it stands, they've got the two out, outside linebackers. You can call them edge rushers, whatever. Yeah. Anello Lafele and Thomas Heiberger are going to be early enrollees, and then Landon Gothier is an inside linebacker. What they want are the edge guys who have the athleticism, the, the kinds of guys that they're trying to get out of the portal. 
but you still need some of those thumpers in the middle too. It's that combination. But I'm with you. If you got if you got somebody who can, I think someone on the edge can translate better across the board because they yeah. just have more versatility, and that's what they're looking for. Yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, the the speed and yes. the uh, ability that we saw from like throw Christian Lager out there mm-hmm. and let him spy a quarterback, and it was just night and day compared to maybe having some of the other guys. We saw that with uh, Purdy uh, in the uh, Nebraska game. It was like, he's outrunning two of these inside linebackers. He is not outrunning Christian Allegro. So, um, I'm excited to see. I think he gets a lot more time in the bowl game. Certainly. Yes. Um, now with Jordan Turner not there. Muma Jongmet is going to play and Jake Chain is going to play, but I think you'll see a lot of Christian Allegro as well. Um, overaction or no here. Uh, Guinea commitment from quarterback Tariq Heyer. Hair would be a bigger deal than getting a commitment from defensive lineman Ernest Willard Jr. Is that an overreaction or no? So Hayer's a four-star composite player in the 2025 class at cornerback, and Willard Jr. is a four-star composite player in the 2024 class on the defensive line. I'm going to go with Willard largely because, well, first of all, <laughs> he'd be here. To- reaction. <laughs> yes. Um, just because they don't get those kinds of guys on the defensive line and they also don't get those haven't traditionally gotten those guys corner so you can make that argument there but i just think they need somebody who can establish themselves on the defensive line and that's a top 20 defensive lineman in the country and if they can get him and it feels like the badgers are in really good position you've got to feel very good would you like to get both sure like to get both obviously and and we'll know about these guys very soon um i believe hires making his commitment on christmas day and then uh, Willer's going is very soon here as well. I think he's got a visit to Maryland this weekend. Yep. And then he'll make his decision. He is from Maryland, so it is obviously I believe he's the number one, he's number two ranked composite defense alignment in Maryland. So that it'd be a big get. It'd be a significant get. You go and look at Tariq Hires, he's number two corner or the number two player in uh, in DC next year. But they're hitting up the East Coast. Yes. And we, we saw it in in the 2024 class, and, and obviously Willer's part of that class. But they are going to be uh, players as long as certain members on this staff or on the staff they're going to be players in uh, in these areas that maybe we haven't necessarily historically seen them be players in. 100%. Uh, one more before we go. We got saw, saw a little video of Tresh Kakahuna today in practice uh, scoring a touchdown. Tresh Kakahuna has the highest upside of any of the wide receivers on this roster right now. I'm going to go overreaction. Um I want to know what Chris Brooks Jr. looks like if he's healthy. Really? That's the name that you're going with? I did not I did not see that one coming? Well, an upside question to me is someone I haven't seen. So, okay. like, I could go C.J. Williams, but... You could. I, You've I, seen him. I want to go with somebody I haven't seen. Um, and to me, I'd want... Like, is Brooks... Could, does he have the potential to be that big-bodied guy who can make plays down the field? We only saw a couple practices. He made them, but he made some plays, but he was hurt. So I don't know what his status is going to be moving forward, but I, I certainly love what Kekahuna can provide. Don't you remember how drunk you were on another guy's speed at that position? At wide receiver? Yeah. Uh, is it Aaron big, Crookshank? No. Big, big, tall guy who can run really fast. His name is Tommy McIntosh. Yeah. A guy who, you liked know. Liked him, too. Yeah, you liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. Is he a guy that you could potentially see? It can be any of them. All right. They need help. So if anybody is willing to step up and emerge and stay healthy, you got a chance, especially in this offense, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Tretch. I think he – I just still don't know exactly what's going on with the bowl game and whether you can play and not lose uh, that that year, right? Because he's played four games. Yeah. If he plays another game, he would lose his redshirt, assuming I, that is not in place again this year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it isn't. 
Either way, if he plays, I can't wait to see him. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think I think him. However, I do have a little bit of a, a beef with him. Uh, he's he, he's on Instagram, okay. and and uh, I saw him a video. He he did a video of his pedicure. Really? Yes. You see, not, you're all you're up on all of this, that. which I always appreciate about you because you keep me informed on the happenings of Instagram. Never had one. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. But, I feel hey, like that, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Wait, have, uh, is it a foot? Foot. Okay. I don't have anything wrong with it. I think I think pedicure is completely fine. I just don't know if I'm ever doing a video of me getting a pedicure. Hey, look good, feel good, play good, play good. There you go. All right, coming back to the other side, going to talk a little Tanner Bordellini. Going to talk uh, his his decision to leave and the impact for next year, and then also Jack Nelson is practicing. Was that a little bit of surprise? We'll talk about it coming up on the other side of the break. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Going to continue on with uh, some more football talk as we watch the basketball team uh, continue on against Jackson State here. A five-point lead late in the first half. It's impossible to cover the, to watch this game and do the show, so I'm not going to try and do it. Um, but we did have some news last night. Well, I guess the news kind of broke Tuesday. Uh, Tanner Borolini uh, is a friend of show, the, yes. the most frequent player that's been on the show. I think he's been on it three or four times last year and this year. So uh, big, very excited for him. And he, you had an opportunity to chat with him about his decision. He's not going to play in the bowl game, but you had a little opportunity to chat with him about his exit, and an exit interview that you've been able to do with these guys. Big takeaway from your opportunity to chat with him. Well, just that he felt he was ready to go. Um, I think you and I maybe wondered at certain points what he would do just because he spent the year playing at center, and it seemed like he was going to be a guard. He was going to be a guard. But when I asked him about what the feedback has been early on, yeah. he said he thought NFL teams would view him largely first. He said center first and then guard. Now, it will depend on the team, but he is a great pass blocker. He led the team, according to Pro Football Focus yeah. numbers, and this may not always be 100% accurate, but he had the best pass blocking grade of anybody on this team. So he's shown his versatility. The guy started 28 games in his career, including one as a blocking tight end. He had 14 starts at center, 13 starts at guard. So, did he start at right tackle? Out. I don't believe that he in the bowl game. Wasn't it right tackle? Arizona State. No, I guess you got me. Then, oh, that, that wasn't my intention. No, well, it's not in the it's not in the fact books. So. Okay, all right, <laughs> I'll go back and check. But well, you, you know how the, you know how the bowl games are. Remember, because we're like, uh, really the. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Well, then he's played a little bit everywhere. Yeah, yeah I think everywhere but left tackle. I think so. But, uh, I mean, he said his, he had the, co- the discussions with the coaches, and, they, of course, they were going to support him in whatever it, he did, but they said, whatever it is you decide, you've got to be all in. And he felt pretty confident. He basically spent the two weeks after the Minnesota game exploring his options and came to this conclusion, and certainly can't blame him. I mean, he had a, he had a really good career here, and it's fascinating because 
He was the last of the five scholarship yeah. offensive linemen that ended up signing with Wisconsin in that 2020 class. A lot of noise was made, understandably so, about Jack Nelson and Trey Wedig. Tanner Bertolini, frankly, was an afterthought. Yeah. Nobody knew anything about him. And he comes in and he ends up starting as a true freshman at center because of in injuries and then became the most valuable offensive lineman from that group. Yeah, I would totally agree. I, I, uh, now that we no longer cover him, have a little bit of a soft spot for him because he was out here yeah. and uh, he is such a good kid. And he did something that very few players can do. And, and again, he never, it's not like he played center in high school and came here and was, you know, just always positioned to be a center. I know there were people that complained about his snaps and if that's what you want to do, go ahead. But when that, for the most part, the second half of the season, yeah. they were not a problem. And he was perhaps, perhaps their best off. I mean, you throw Wiley Mallman in there too. Perhaps their best offensive lineman, once the ball was snapped for sure, um, but over the second half of the season when the snaps kind of got corrected for the most part, he was uh, fantastic. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see where he ends up and where he um, can get his, where he gets his career started in because he uh, he did all the like he, and he never complained about like he never took issue and he always answered questions. He was always a guy that whenever you asked to talk to him, he would come out and talk to you after games. And as you showed in your article, it was not an overly successful period of time that he no. was here. You know, a very there was a lot of things that happened while he was here. He went through three offensive line coaches, which I can't imagine having to do i mean we talk about that with the offensive coordinator right and a quarterback having to go through that many guys kind of like graham did um there are that's very very tough different teaching points from all different guys so it's a it's a real tough job and a real tough thing that he went through as a player and he never complained about it once and he did his job and now he gets to go get the fruits and uh fruits of his labor so happy for him um that said what kind of impact does this have for the bowl game it feels like and according to my eyes watching the <laughs> video from practice that jake renfro will finally get yes. his opportunity to be the center i would say that is accurate so everyone who's been waiting on jake renfro since the minute he transferred will finally get an opportunity to see him and it is bowl games are you you want to send out the, the veteran guys on a good note but it is a glimpse at the future and I think this is kind of a perfect scenario for Renfro just because he gets to finally step back on the field after all this time. The last time he played in a game, I believe, was Cincinnati's playoff game yeah. in 2021. So you have this opportunity to get these snaps and to build your way up into next season and maybe try and establish some type of continuity with, uh, with the offensive line, although that's going to be tough because Michael Fertney is you know, using up his eligibility, but... You've got a core nucleus that has the potential to be back next season. Again, I, I'm not a connoisseur of the offensive line play. I'm not. I, can, I can't sit here and say I'm an expert uh, of it. I, I'm excited to see some of the younger guys play. Yeah. I, I've seen. I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of Michael Fortney the last uh, couple of years. Um, you want to see some Joe Brunner get in there? I'd love to see some Joe Brunner. <laughs> I would love to, you know, see some. You know, uh, Ben Shaw as well, right? A guy who was a very highly recruited kid coming in out of Crafton who has been the backup guard. I would like to see some Nolan Rucci. These are all guys that we've talked about and heard about and read about and discussed for so long, and they have not played meaningful snaps whatsoever. 
and that kind of actually brings me to the to the next topic is are you surprised that Jack Nelson is practicing first and does that give you any any ideas to potentially what he is going to do next year yes I am surprised that he is practicing largely because when this season began and the conversation was around okay who are the two underclassmen or, or non-seniors that you expect to go to the NFL he would say Braylon Allen and, and Jack Nelson is interesting because Tanner Bordellini wasn't necessarily a part of that conversation but does appear that he is practicing and what might that say about his plans i think he's got a really tough decision to make then potentially could come back which is not something i expected but he did not have the year that people thought that he would i think that is that is fair to say you are going to get some penalties when you are a tackle but if i'm not mistaken he had more penalties than anybody else in the big 10 and then that was tracking uh with a couple weeks left in the regular season on pro football focus and in a really big game against Washington State, you know, Ron Stone Jr., <laughs> he had his what, way. To say he, he had his two, lunch. He had his two lunch. strip sacks. Um, and so you add that up, and, and maybe there's just, he feels like there's more to prove. But again, we haven't heard anything on a final decision. I do think, though, that at this stage, you would know the direction you want to go. And if you weren't going to be around... From what we've seen the last few years, you would announce that. Yeah, and you wouldn't be playing in the bowl game. Right. I mean, the times have changed so much. Like, I, I was even just thinking about this. Melvin Gordon never would have played in the Outback Bowl no. if, if it was now. No. But that wasn't even a thought back then. No. And now, if, if there's any chance that you're going to go to the NFL, um, again, Jason Matry today announced that he is foregoing the bowl game <laughs> to pursue the NFL draft. It's going to continue to get like that, and I understand that there's a lot of people that are upset with it, and whatever, fine, be upset about it, but it's kind of, it's the nature of what it is, and, um, you know, we, we have seen other guys do the same thing, right? Uh, did Jay Shaw play in the bowl game last year? I, I think Jay Shaw did, but maybe one of the other transfer guys did not. I think I Jay Shaw announced, I don't remember, uh, I don't honestly. The, the, the craziest thing for me is after the bowl game, guys announcing they're declaring for the NFL. Well, you have no, you have no eligibility left. <laughs> what, what would you else? What else would you be doing, sir? My, my other favorite thing are like juniors saying they're coming back. When it was oh, like, really? Where were you going, man? Yeah, nobody <laughs> thought you were leaving. Run what? it back. Run it back. <laughs> Whatever. Um, all right, going to come back on the other side. Finish the show up. Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks were in the news last night, not because of scoring sixty-four points, which was amazing. But because of the controversy over a ball after a game, we'll talk about that. And if there's any Wisconsin uh, connection, not connections, but Wisconsin, I don't know, what would you say? Uh, controversies? Well, controversies after games that could, are anywhere comparison to it. I don't think there are, but we'll try on the other side uh, of the break. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple in Heilprin, closing out the show here as Wisconsin and Jacksonville State. It's 38-30 Wisconsin at Halftime down in Tampa. The first game of the Nebraska and Pitt series is going on here. Nebraska took the opening game. 
of the match. I should say the uh, yeah the opening game of the match and up one nothing in the set. No, excuse me, they took the opening set. They took the opening set. Showing off my volleyball knowledge here. It's exactly yeah irrelevant. But uh, Wisconsin will get the winner. Wisconsin, the winner of Texas and Wisconsin will get the winner of this one of the national championship. I believe that is going to be on Sunday. I believe so. I believe it's on Sunday, and they get an ABC. They're getting network TV. Kelly it, Sheffield demanded it. It has he come, got it. It has come a long way. All right, let's get to this. Uh, last night in Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo put on a epic performance. Went for 64 points, the most in Milwaukee Bucks history, the most by a non-guard since David Robinson in uh, 1994 when he went for 71. It was a heck of a performance, and, you know, it was a little bit overshadowed by what happened afterwards. After the game, a Buck security guard grabbed the ball. It then somehow ended up with Indiana, and Giannis was like, no, 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 no. That's my ball. And so he went over to get it, and the guy who had it was like, no. He turned around, he walked back to the back to the Indiana locker room, and Giannis went after him, and there was a little bit of a, a melee, I believe is what Rick Carlisle called it. I don't think I need to go through the entire thing. A lot of people that are listening to this probably saw it uh, or have heard about it, so I don't need to go too far into this, but it made me think about post-game incidents, post-game controversies after Wisconsin games. There have been a few in my tenure um, but I'll let, you, I'll let you go first. I, I have one that comes to mind because it was in the middle of it. But anything that comes to mind for you? Well, when you asked if I'd ever found myself covering a controversial ending, um, I did not go to this game. I think it was my second year on the beat. But the <laughs> Joel Stave Arizona State Ooh. game immediately came to my mind because it was like the worst officiating blunder that I can think of and uh, cost Wisconsin an opportunity to try to kick a field goal. But there's a few others. Yes, there are. Well, the the Arizona State game wasn't on the field for it, watched it from the press box, but the pictures after the game of Gary Anderson with his arms like this and Joel Stavi, who was usually pretty composed as a, as a guy, was very uncomposed after that. Uh, yeah, was not composed whatsoever after that game. Yelling... And I mean, there were there the, the there was crying in the uh, post game locker room or the uh, post game media availability. We got to talk to some guys, and there was at least one guy crying. I remember walking to the and they all said the right things after the game. The players did for the most part, but I remember walking to the bus and I was talking to Desmond Southward, and I asked him, "I'm like, that was that was kind of messed up." And he goes, "That was," and I can't say the words, but he's like, "That's mother effing BS," you know. And it was. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible call. Another one that comes to mind, though, was, and closer to this incident, was the post-game scene after Wisconsin won the Axe in 2013 up at TCF Bank Stadium. And they went to one goalpost to, to, to knock it down, or to chop it down, and then you go to the other goalpost. But at Minnesota, they sing the fight song, or the rouser, or whatever, the, maybe their version of varsity, I don't know. They do it in front of the goalpost, in front of the band, in front of the student section. And so Wisconsin tried to go down and do it, and they nearly came to blows. Uh, players, helmets on, yelling, a lot of shoving. Uh, there were cops down there pushing Gary Anderson away, like shoving Gary Anderson away. And uh, all of Wisconsin guys, and 
this is their first year, so they had no idea whatsoever what was going on. But they were like, this is tradition. This is he, he, he had no idea that this was even a tradition until like three seconds ago. But um, that one obviously stands out to me. And then there is um, the Jazz BB game too, right? 100%. Uh, yeah. Uh, but there, there are certain games that stand out that you have post-game situations that are just absolutely crazy. But nothing crazier for me than the than the Gopher game in 2013. It was up there. I don't know if we'll get a, a Giannis level uh, situation at Wisconsin, but maybe somebody's gonna break Frank Kaminsky's scoring record and drop 64, <laughs> and the other team will walk off with the ball. Right. You know what the the BS thing about what happened after that 2013 game was. It ruined the idea of running over and stealing the and taking the axe from the other side of the field. Yeah, it stopped that. Like the next year, you, they brought it out. They had, they had to go into. The, I think they had to go into the locker room and get the axe and bring it out. And like it was of the things that Gary Anderson did wrong. I'm putting that one close to the top. I'm putting that one close to the top. That that was BS. That was the magic of it. And now you have both the axe and you have the. Um, the bull, the bull, and for you, Iowa. Yeah, and you have the other one for Nebraska, whatever that's called, the Freedom Trophy. <laughs> but they put them down by the goalposts, and you saw the Minnesota guy having to hold it there, which was hilarious uh, the other night or uh, a couple weeks ago when Wisconsin beat Minnesota. Like that sucks if you're that guy, right? <laughs> Just having to hold it down there. It was so much better when it was on the other team's sideline, and you were able to go and run and grab it and rip it away. I mean, the the kicker from Minnesota doing that in 2000, Reese Lloyd, 2003, I believe, because that was the last year that they had won it. And I think there were stories done about him. Yep, I, remember, I talked to him. <laughs> it lived on for a long time. It, it well, in when the, you, in the Metrodome, right? Yeah, it was. It was in the Metrodome. It was the last win for them in the Metrodome against Wisconsin. But yeah, those are things that. You remember very, very vividly. So we'll see. Um, I, I highly doubt we're going to get in a Giannis situation anytime soon at Wisconsin. <laughs> Seems but uh, that was a bunch of BS from Indiana's players. So this, I'm, that's, I'm just going to say that. All right. We'll be back uh, next week. But uh, we'll have a little Temple and High Opry on Thursday. But we'll have uh, the camp earlier in the week and the swing. So check both of those out. And uh, getting closer to having to go down to Tampa. You, you looking forward to it? Very much so. Who doesn't like nice weather on January 1st? You don't get that here. Did you look at some of the weather? That's, have you looked to no, the extended forecast please, at all? Please don't. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm not going to ruin it for you. But we're going to have a we're gonna have a good time down in, in Tampa. Looking forward to it as uh, the Badgers get ready to take on LSU. All right, Jesse. Talk to you soon. Yep, sounds good. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to Temple and High Oprah.